0: And when you go off-grid, it's, it can be very overwhelming to set up all of these systems. So this is an easy way to categorize and block out all the different facets of your life that you need to cover without feeling super
1: overwhelmed. Oh. Welcome to the Off-Grid Outpost Podcast, where we discuss the journey to real liberty through self-sufficiency, counter-economics, non-aggression, and the agora.
0: The Outpost represents the border between societal norm and the pioneer spirit. Every episode contains practical, philosophical, and technical information you can use to gain the freedom you deserve. Hey everyone, it's Regina with the Off-Grid Outpost Podcast. I am here with Cyrus... Good morning. And today uh, we have a special treat for everybody. We are actually launching a series. <laughs> 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 uh we're, wa- we're launching an ongoing series. However, uh, the title of the series is The Seven Pillars of Off-Grid Living. So there will be a guaranteed seven full episodes of how to go off grid. And basically we have created these pillars that you will need to go off grid. Mhm. Yeah, I'm really excited about it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like just the fundamentals broken down into, you know, categories that you can focus on and so that, you know, we can focus efforts and know what we need to do, where we need to do it, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and when you go off-grid, it's it can be very overwhelming to set up all of these systems, so this is an easy way to categorize and block out all the different facets of your life that you need to cover without feeling super overwhelmed.
1: Right. Yeah, help to develop a plan.
0: You gotta have a plan.
1: Yeah, there's you know, or you can you... just
0: jump and head first like you did.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I I had a plan. It was just not a great yeah. plan. <laughs> I could have done better. So
0: It wasn't fleshed out so much.
1: Right. Right.
0: You know, and it's fun to be spontaneous and it's fun to kinda of go with the flow.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh
0: but sometimes, you know, people are uncomfortable with that feeling. Right. This is a more comfortable strategic approach to going off grid. Yes. And uh, we actually got the idea from Andre. He uh, sent us a little user feedback just mentioning how he wanted to hear about more off-grid. And, you know, we are called the Off-Grid Outpost, and you are wholly off-grid, so you have Mm -hmm. lots of experience. And I'm quasi-off-grid, and I've written 100,000 words of text about going off-grid on MaximumOffGrid.com. So it made sense to, you know, take the... uh, Take the podcast in this direction. And so the schedule will be on Fridays, we will release an off grid episode. And then on Tuesdays will be more of our uh, theory, philosophy episodes. Right. Yeah. So you can look forward to that.
1: Yeah. I think that'll work out real well.
0: You know, and just starting a podcast, you know, we've just been throwing all kinds of content that's been in our heads. You know, just putting it out there. But now I think we're starting to get into our jive. You know, we're starting to get into our flow of making it more full bodied and structured.
1: Yeah, structure. Good word. Structure. <laughs> yeah. So I guess let's get into it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, just on a side note, I did move to Arizona uh, over oh, the weekend. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. You drove like. 900 miles in the first day.
0: Yeah, it was a very productive first day. We went uh, 820 the first and then the remaining 180 the second day. And then within the last 30 miles, I blew both tires on the uh on the trailer. What? <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was that was exciting and they blew up. It wasn't just getting a flat like they literally exploded. It was it was fun. It was a whole lot of fun.
1: Left tire shrapnel? Not really.
0: Oh my goodness, there was tire shrapnel flying. And they were brand new tires at that. That was a crazy part. They were good, brand new tires, and they only lasted like less than 100 miles.
1: Oh, damn. That's yeah. odd. so
0: something crazy happened. You know, we don't know if it was like maybe a manufacturer issue or maybe they weren't rated properly, but they looked really good. They were just a standard trailer tire. We don't know what happened.
1: Hmm. Well, you made it in one piece. That's good.
0: Yep. And then, uh, going through, uh, we went from South Texas. We travel for work. We live in an RV. Uh, we went from South Texas to Arizona and through San Antonio, like right when we hit the city, a deluge came down. Like a monsoon started (laughs) pouring on the highway. It was crazy. Mm. Yeah, we were going uh, 30 miles an hour down the highway with a bunch of traffic and just massive puddles accumulating on the highway. It was pretty scary, actually. It wasn't any fun. Right. But, you know, that's just, uh, that's road life for you. You typically don't get a road trip over America without something a little crazy happening. Right. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Anyways, so we're in Arizona and we're in the mountains. Big sky country. Well, Montana's big sky country, but the sky is pretty big here too. And we're enjoying it. Nice. Well, do you want to kick off the uh, first pillar?
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. So, in the seven pillars of off-grid living, uh, the first is location. So, you're going to have to figure out where you want to live. And there's different things to consider. Uh, You know, what kind of climate do you want to live in? Because if you're going to go off-grid, climate is going to be a big part of your life. So, if you like cold weather, go somewhere cold. If you don't like cold weather, stay away from cold places. Um, Yeah. So that's important. You also, in in that decision, is also the resources. So if you're planning on doing solar, you want to make sure you go somewhere that has a lot of sunshine, average sunshine throughout the year. Um, If you're going to be collecting rainfall, rainwater, you want to go somewhere that has regular rainfall. Uh, so those are just the kinds of things to consider you're going you're gonna to have to decide whether you're going to own land or not because you can live off grid and not own land um,
0: yeah that'll be a really interesting nodule to talk about in the episode yeah. is how do you go off grid and not own land that's very counterintuitive to what people would you know yeah. normally think of off grid living would be but it is possible
1: sure I mean, there are people out here where I live that they live on someone else's property and they help them maintain the property. You know, there's a lot of farmers out here and and there's cattlemen out here and they like to have a hand to help them with that stuff. And they typically have a lot of land. And so, for example, if you had a tiny house on wheels, you could just park it Mm -hmm. on their property somewhere. And you know, trade room and board for labor, and then you know there's obviously there's the nomadic lifestyle like you live. Uh, mm-hmm. That that can be an off-grid lifestyle, <clears throat> and you don't have to own any land.
0: That's kind of my personal preference, and that really relies on uh, public land. So when you do decide to go nomadic and you're boondocking, uh you know just coming from texas only 4% of texas is public lands the rest is is ranches
1: yeah right so certain states are better than others
0: certain mm-hmm. states are better than others uh arkansas is i read 96% public land
1: yeah there's a there's a lot of uh national forest around here
0: yeah, that's insane. 96% of a state is public land. Arkansas actually has the most public land uh, in the 50 states. It's number one,
1: which really? I found very fascinating. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And I live here. Yeah. But I my property butts up to the Ozark National Forest, which is like 16,000 acres. And that's wow. not the only national forest. I know that. But Yeah.
0: You know, that's a good strategy. If you're to buy property next to a national forest, you almost, you basically expand your property into that forest because you go, there's no buffer between you and that land. So that's a really good strategy.
1: Yeah, I tell people I have a 16,000 acre backyard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Technically you do. Right. Literally. Yeah. Location, location, location.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely something to consider when you start making your plans to go off-grid. There's a lot of things in that question, where am I going to live, that will affect your off-grid lifestyle. So, yeah, that's good exactly. for the first pillar.
0: Yep. Uh, the second pillar is income. How mm. are you going to earn an income while going off-grid? And that's a huge clincher for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, in a lot of ways, you have to get creative. I mean, we were just talking earlier about, okay, you can go off-grid without an income, but living a zero-dollar lifestyle, is that possible?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know how you could do it, a zero-dollar lifestyle. I mean, I guess it's possible, but, man, I just, I don't know how you would really do it. I mean, you can get near zero pretty easily.
0: Yeah, near zero's possible, but zero zero dollars, zero income, you know, unless you have a bunch of sh- of savings and you're just not working and living off savings and trying to get to z- near zero. But I mean, a zero income, I mean, that's no vehicle. That's, I mean, you're really now you're really what a hill person is what you said.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're just one of the hill people at that point, I guess, and you'd have to live in a state that doesn't have property taxes. So
0: yeah, which I don't think there I don't even know if there's a state without property taxes.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. I guess you could just be homeless.
0: Yeah, but even they beg for a pittance. I mean, they get uh dollars and change.
1: Yeah, I guess so. It would which be Which is interesting
0: because uh it would be really tough.
1: I mean, that wouldn't be by, that wouldn't be my plan if I was going you know, starting over and going off grid that would not be my plan to live without money
0: um homelessness for me is not in my off grid plan, yeah, so I don't think it's in really many people's off grid plan, yeah, and even but they're I'm, getting dollars,
1: yeah, but there's there's so many ways to earn money nowadays that. You know, it's, it's really not a problem. You just got to figure out how you're going to do it. Which road are you going to take or, you know, how many different roads are you going to take? There's lots of different ways to make income and you can do more than one.
0: Yeah, and we actually wrote a PDF of 131 ways to make money using counter economics. Mm-hmm. So we give you 131 ideas and all kinds of unique, interesting things that you probably wouldn't have thought of and mm-hmm. also not only how to make those dollars but how to keep uncle sam out of your wallet as well
1: hence right. the counter
0: economics part right the guide turned out really good so all you have to do is go to the offgridoutpost.com. there's a pop-up on the first page you can just sign up with your email we'll send it straight to your inbox there's also you can go over to the free downloads page as well and get it there
1: yeah it's been pretty popular
0: so yeah the income pillar i mean that'll be a really exciting episode uh, because there's so many Mm -hmm. fun creative ways you can earn an income uh, while you're living off grid
1: yeah okay so a third pillar would be shelter and again there's lots of different ways to live off grid lots of different types of shelters um Tiny homes are really popular now. Of course, the mm-hmm. nomadic lifestyle, you got your camper, RV, schoolie, van. Um, earth ships are pretty fascinating.
0: Those are fascinating. I'd like to learn more about Earth ships.
1: Yeah. Yeah, those are. And you you being in your new location, I hear they're really popular out there where you are now. You might be able to go you know, uh, gonna see some. I'm going to have to look some. into
0: that. Maybe I can go visit one.
1: Yeah, that'd be cool.
0: That would be cool. Make a video visiting an Earthship. Maybe I can interview someone. That'd be really cool. I actually want to give a quick shout out to EcoTrain on Hive. Now that I'm thinking about it, he is an Earthship builder, and he actually has devoted his life to building uh, living systems for people basically who can't afford normal conventional living styles. It's really, really a neat project. Oh wow. He's on uh the Hive platform, which is a decentralized social media platform that I'm involved in. So
1: just mm-hmm. a little
0: quick shout out to Ecotrain.
1: Ecotrain. I'll have to check that out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah he's a he's quite fascinating. He used to be a computer programmer and he had a bunch of money and he just devoted all of his money in his entire life to this cause, and he's gone all over the world, from what I understand. and And has built basically earthships for communities and stuff. is really cool.
1: That is cool.
0: The fun thing about going off grid is it's so unique, and every situation is so unique. And when you get into like looking into shelter, like I mean, it's all very non cookie cutter. Like what we've yeah. been raised and used to, you know. Mm-hmm. That's right. McMansions and suburbs and apartments, you know, that's so like mainstream. But once you go off grid, like you're liberated into a huge world of like structures and shelters that, I mean, the the it's unlimited basically.
1: Yeah. And, you know, what people choose to build is typically based around uh, what their resources are, where they live. You know, so that would... Yeah. That the third pillar is going to tie into the first pillar. So, your location, uh, a lot of the factors of your location will influence your shelter. Yeah.
0: So, that's a good point. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They go hand in hand.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: You because know, you want to use the resources you have on hand, there's no point to fight. With Mother Nature, let's go with Mother Nature. Use the resources you have on hand and make something that actually is harmonious to your your living area, your property.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: So the fourth pillar is one of my favorites because I've nerded out so hard to this topic on maximum off-grid is uh, water systems. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would argue that water systems is the most important thing to look for when you go off-grid. So it definitely ties into our first pillar. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to consider water when you're searching for a property or if you're boondocking, you know, water is probably in the upper echelons. Uh, But all of these things are important, so it's kind of hard to rank of importance.
1: Yeah, you're right. But you're also right in that when you're looking at properties and deciding where to live, if you don't consider water while you're looking... You are making a mistake because you don't want to get yourself yeah. trapped, especially if you're purchasing property. Yeah, uh, if you haven't considered water, and then you end up purchasing that property and find out there's no water, or or water is scarce, you know your your off grid life is going to be that much harder.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, if you've got to drill a well and you're not thinking about water when you buy that property, and you're drilling and drilling, and your water table's a thousand foot down. You're looking mm-hmm. at a you know twenty thousand thirty thousand right. uh, dollar well mm-hmm, and then if your water's bitter or sour, yeah, you know you're really getting into trouble, you'll be really getting into trouble then, so yeah, water is a huge factor, and but there's lots of ways you can uh get water unconventional mm-hmm. ways you can get water. It could be a rain barrel. It could be a creek or a river. You could have a cistern system. You can haul it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might have a river, a lake, a stream. You might have a shallow well. You might have an artisan well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you could catch rain in the rain barrel. So there are uh, lots of ways you can collect rainwater, or not rainwater, but water in general.
1: Yeah, yeah. It'll be that'll be an interesting episode. And
0: yeah, I'm really I've I've been
1: through, I've been through a number of those different ways of gathering water, so I'll have some good experience to share.
0: Yeah, I'm curious about that. And you know, when it comes to water, I also want to quickly throw out that you need to purify, not just filter, but purify your water. So you're going to have to have some sort of water purification system, and. Uh, there's ways you can do this using technology, and there's ways you can do this using Mother Nature, which we will go into into the episode.
1: Hmm. Yes. Cool. The uh, the fifth pillar is going to be your food systems. So how are you going to feed yourself? And you know, gardening, hunting, fishing, trapping, foraging. If if uh, if you're making plenty of income, you can always just stick with buying your food, like most people do. Um, Yeah. But there's a lot of different options when you're talking about food systems. And, you know, you you get into preserving food. So especially if you're, you know, if you're doing hunting and and gardening, you want a way to preserve that food for long-term storage. So smokehouses. Exactly. Canning, dehydrating, those kinds of things.
0: Yep. Building a root cellar.
1: A root cellar, yeah.
0: hmm They actually have these uh, blow mold root cellars that are, what? like, pre-made. So you basically just, like, dig a hole, and you drop this blow mold into the ground and cover it up, and you're done. That's actually really cool.
1: Blow mold? What is that? Is that, like, fi- a fiberglass thing, or I'm not sure Yeah, yeah.
0: That. Okay. I don't know exactly what they're called. That's just, like, the first term that comes to my mind.
1: But, yeah, like, some okay. sort of
0: fiberglass type bubble almost that you just lower into the ground and it's an instant root cellar.
1: Nice, yeah.
0: Yeah, then you don't have to worry about it, you know, collapsing as long as you don't dig it too deep. I'm sure there's specifications of how deep you can dig it before the walls cave in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't need no stinking uh, uh What's that? <laughs> I was just making fun. Don't need no stinking instructions.
0: Nah, we don't need those instructions. <laughs> instructions. Instructions are for losers.
1: That's just the manufacturer's opinion on how to do it.
0: So the food systems, that really ties in well with uh, your location, you know. Mm-hmm. And it also ties in with income.
1: Because right.
0: you can earn income really through gardening foraging hunting and possibly fishing and possibly even trapping
1: yeah yeah when we first moved here we uh the property that we bought one of the reasons we bought it is this just covered with wild blueberries and oh, uh, wow
0: blueberries
1: yeah and that first year that we moved here we didn't have hardly any income and I I would dig up blueberries, small blueberry plants, and I put them in those red Solo cups, and took them to the swap. Oh yeah! To the I took them to the farmers market and sold them, like five bucks oh, a really? piece. Yeah.
0: <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Did people so. buy them? Was it popular?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I sold out.
0: Wow, interesting. Mm. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, that almost, uh, that kind of goes into uh, uh, permaculture in a way. You know, mm-hmm. you take your wild plants and you can start kind of cultivating them and, and harvesting them in your own garden. hmm So then moving along into the sixth pillar, which is energy. And I think when we talk energy, the first thing our mind goes to is electricity and solar power. Uh but there's a lot more energy systems out there that you can utilize.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. And again, that'll tie into your location.
0: Yeah, it really does. Location, location, location.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you, know, you can go without electricity.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We did for a while when we moved here. Yeah. And I've got people that live in this area by me that uh, they just live full-time without electricity.
0: Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't even really wrap my head around that. But, you know, we've only had electricity, what, for the last 150, 200 years of mankind?
1: Yeah. Yeah, 150, yeah.
0: However... I believe it was ancient Egypt that they found old battery cells. So I'm pretty sure Egypt had some form of electricity.
1: I've heard that. Interesting.
0: They found like old jars, like old pottery type jars with some sort of filling in it that would have conducted electricity and charges coming out of the uh, old jars. Like a battery is now. They you have know, your positive and your negative side.
1: Huh. Yeah,
0: you know, but in general, I think uh, modern day electricity hasn't happened in the past. so <laughs> right. You know, we can do without electricity, people. <laughs> you may not want to, though. I I would say most people don't.
1: Yeah. Electricity is really just convenience. You know, when you give up electricity, you just yeah. give up. You give up convenience is what you give up <clears throat> and comfort to a degree. But, yeah, you know, well,
0: I think Amish, you know, Amish, comu- Amish communities don't do electricity, I'm pretty sure. Or very little electricity.
1: Yeah. And energy includes more than just electricity, too. Because when you talk about, you know, heat in your house or your cabin or whatever, that's a form of energy when you burn wood. Um, mm-hmm. However you cook, that's a form of energy. So...
0: Yeah, well, we've got uh, wind power to make energy, we've got Mm -hmm. uh, water power, Mm -hmm. you could have like a water mill,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you've got all of your gases, diesel, gas, propane, butane, that'll all make energy, Mm -hmm. wood, timber, that kind of goes back to your location. If you have a area with heavy timber. Right. Geothermal activity. I watched a really cool series on Netflix the other day where they went to... Uh, where'd they go? Greenland? Is it Greenland? No, they went to Norway? I forget. It was one of those places. And they were using geothermal activity to like produce power for... Towns and cities and things, right? I don't see why we couldn't do that here in some areas.
1: Yeah, you can use geothermal on a small scale too for an individual house. You can use it to keep your house at a comfort. Mm, excuse me keep keep your house at a comfortable level.
0: Yeah, exactly. as far as temperature. Yeah, lots of unique, interesting ways to. Harvest and use energy that are not necessarily solar or electric. Right. Well, and then moving on to the final pillar, waste management. So basically your different forms of waste is your black water, which is sewage. And then you have your gray water, which is more so from your kitchen faucet, your
1: shower, tub,
0: your shower, that kind of thing. Which can be reused. You can reuse your grey water, and then you can also utilize uh, composting as well for your food wastes,
1: which can also be an energy source. You can build a uh, you can heat water with compost because it produces heat when you compost. It does.
0: It does. That's a good point, and it also produces gases.
1: Yeah. So uh, biogas or not biogas methane gas you can build yeah. a you can build a system to capture the methane gas from your waste and use it to cook with or whatever it's just like a propane
0: yeah and you could actually use your black water your sewage to make methane mhm as well and you can use your own personal human waste you can basically compost that too and make a nice hot compost a hot manure-type
1: compost. Yeah. Humanure, they call it.
0: Humanure. (laughs) Uh
1: You have to do it a little bit different. You have to process it a little bit longer than you would regular compost, but yeah, you can turn that into garden fertilizer.
0: Yeah, I mean, you might as well. And uh, trash, just trash in general. You're still buying stuff, you know. You're still using dollars to purchase goods, and there's plastic wrappings and metals and papers and things like that, you know, what do you do mm-hmm. with all this trash? Right. Well, we'll go into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The trash is a little bit tricky, you know, if you're not using the standard public waste management system. So that'll be an interesting topic to go over.
1: And I, I think the biggest takeaway, you know, just from the introduction to this series is how all of these categories tie into each other in one way or another. And when you're planning your off grid life, you've got to consider how every category affects other categories and how items in one category can benefit another so that you can mm-hmm. create systems that all are kind of like. Well,
0: you're making like a closed loop system, you know? Yeah. They go from yeah, one pillar much to the second can. to the third. Mm hmm. Yeah. You can make these closed loop systems that feed each other.
1: Synergistic, that's the word I was trying to think of.
0: Synergy, yeah. Yeah. And I think like earthships.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, earthships earth do are that a great lot. Great example of that.
0: Closed loop systems where everything every system takes care of the next takes care of the next. So you literally have a renewable synergistic resource, which is your life, which is like really cool.
1: Right. And so we'll, we'll get into a lot of that.
0: Oh yeah. I think, I think that's the best, smartest way to do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, yeah, just to quickly recap our first pillar, location, 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 a uh, second pillar income, because you don't want to be a hill person or maybe you do, but and we're going to be assuming that we want a little bit of money flowing in. Mm-hmm. And uh, our third pillar is shelter, because you don't want to be exposed to the elements. Fourth pillar, water systems. Without it, you die.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Uh, fifth pillar, food systems. Good for uh, bartering, trading, feeding yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, your sixth pillar is energy. All sorts of unique ways to harvest energy. And your seventh is sanitation.
1: All the things you need to make an off-grid life. Or any yeah. life, really
0: any life, yeah but at least with the an off-grid life you're sustainable and autonomous and only relying more or less on yourself which is kind of the point
1: yeah, that's the key to self-sufficiency is relying on systems that you control as opposed to relying on systems that are outside of your control
0: exactly
1: which also ties into freedom you know, it does
0: uh, and with great it, freedom comes great responsibility
1: <laughs> that's right
0: it's kind of becoming the slogan of our channel.
1: <laughs> yeah, we should we should find a way to say that in every episode.
0: I yeah, I know we've uh we've done pretty good so far. I feel like it kind of pops out. It'd be a good logo on a t-shirt too.
1: Yeah, it really would.
0: But you know, like moving away from municipal systems is just tantamount to everything, survival, freedom, liberty. Because we've gotten so used to having these systems at our fingertips, we've been ingrained that these systems will always be here for us. And if any one of these systems collapses, it's going to be complete com- calamity unless you are self-sufficient.
1: right. and yeah. that, and if you get into the uh, conspiracy side of it, if you know if you're not in control of those systems and you're dependent on those systems, then whoever controls those systems gets to control you.
0: yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's mm-hmm. more or less what's happening already. So I think that that's only going to get worse as time goes on. Mm-hmm. The clamp down on control.
1: We, we already see it in a really big way, especially with this pandemic. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's really kicking into high gear. The control situation is getting a little out of hand. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to also mention you don't have to have every single system off grid.
1: Right. Yeah, your idea of of how you want to live off grid is there's nothing wrong with it whatever it is.
0: Yeah, you could go partial. And like let's say you live in the desert and you don't want to spend an ungodly amount of money on a super deep well. So you want to get on city water. You know, city water mm-hmm. like it would take a lot to bring down a water system, a city water system. Okay like it's one of the most steadfast systems unless you're facing like a severe drought and the water just dries up. But I think if that's happening, you're in trouble on or off grid.
1: Yeah, and and it's a it's a process to get to where you want to be too. Like for example, ever since we moved here, I've been in the process of creating our own water system and it's not, I'm not finished. So, yeah. I still use municipal water in the sense that I haul water from the reservoir where they treat it and everything there. I pay a dollar for 275 gallons of water, and then I haul it home.
0: And that's got to last a while. Yeah, so you're on a cistern system.
1: Yeah, I'm on a cistern system right now. But the ultimate plan is to, you know, I've been hand digging a well, which isn't finished, and then... Wow. Uh, rain also do rain catchment so I'm. that's my ultimate plan I'm just not there yet interesting I guess I'm getting ahead of yeah, myself I'm,
0: well and the hand digging thing I definitely want to talk to in the water systems episode because there's a lot of people interested in creating their own hand dug wells and you know there's some methods there that uh, require some thought mm-hmm. a lot of energy a lot of personal energy laboriousness
1: <laughs> mm, yeah
0: is laboriousness a word? I think I just made that up.
1: Did you make up another word? <laughs> Pretty sure.
0: <laughs> laboriousness.
1: Laboriousicity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool. Well, yeah. Um, so stay tuned. Definitely uh, bookmark our podcast because you can look forward to the Seven Pillars Of off-grid living series and we will continue the off-grid living series it's just we're going to get these first seven big topics out and then we can niche down into further topics especially as we get user feedback you know we want to hear what you want us to talk about Mm -hmm. when it comes to off-grid living
1: yeah we got we got one comment from a listener and and that birthed this series. So leave us a comment and yeah. uh, we'll listen, we'll pay attention, and we'll produce content for for you.
0: Yeah. You can also leave us a voice message. The voice message uh, link is in the show notes. And please rate our podcast as it helps us get found on whatever mm-hmm. platform you're on.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You can send us an email to theoffgridoutpost at gmail.com. That's how, you know, you can leave a comment. And uh, visit theoffgridoutpost.com. We've got lots of great unique content there uh, surrounding self-sufficiency, liberty, and freedom.
1: We're all about the freedom.
0: Yeah. Entering into the freedom zone. Mm-hmm. It's one thing that's uh kind of being a little bit challenged right now in the narratives the mainstream media narrative. So, somebody's got to keep promoting freedom, damn it.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's slipping away.
0: Yeah, it's kind of scary. Now more than ever before is it has it become important to go off grid.
1: And the timing is right. Yeah. I mean, everything is just it's just a, a great time to do it. Technology makes it easier. Um, you know, cuz off-grid going off-grid doesn't mean going without technology. I mean, it can mean that.
0: We're but... not diehards like that. I mean, some people are just like, oh, no cell phones, no computers, no, you know. But we're content creators for a living, so, mm-hmm. like, we have to be connected. And I, I like being connected. Yeah, me too. But if we lost connection, then me, eh, oh well. <laughs> you know, like, if something happened where we lost the internet, we lost connectivity, then it's like, ah, I'll be fine. Right. All right, Uh. well... Tune in next time. What's our next episode about? We're talking about...
1: uh, We're going to do the history of Antifa.
0: It's quite fascinating, folks. It really is.
1: Yeah, we wanted to do uh, a couple of episodes about Antifa just because it's so, uh, you know, it's a current thing. It's a current event. Mm -hmm. A lot of talk about it right now and just an interesting topic with uh, some misconceptions, I think.
0: There are some serious misconceptions about Antifa, And what it really is, is not what is being portrayed. And also people that participate in Antifa are also very misinformed about what it is. Just like anarchy. You know, anarchy is extremely misinformed and misinterpreted. So we're going to bust some myths. We're going to talk about some history. We love history. History is important. And uh, yeah, that'll be uh, the next one up to bat. Well, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you later.
1: Talk to you later. Peace. Here's a little teaser for what's coming next week.
0: Yeah, I mean, even if he's a nationalist and a racist, let's say he checks those two boxes, he's definitely not running a dictatorship, which is another box of fascism. So we have not ever had a fascist in power in America, yet there are Antifa here.
1: Thanks for listening to the Off Grid Outpost Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe so you can get all the new episodes.